this next Saturday morning. Uh, bring your tools. We'll have some tools here, but bring your, your hard work, and we're going to spruce up the, the house of the Lord next Sunday morning. We do have new, on the flyer in the center of your bulletin, uh, there's an introduction of pastors uh, Danny and Jamie, and then on the back side of that, we're introducing our new Conversation 45 classes. That's what we call our Sunday school, an opportunity for you to come and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the word. Uh, we're going to have the ushers go ahead and come this morning as we finish up here. And, uh, but come for New Conversation 45. Come and join us to clean up next weekend. And there's a couple other things in there. The, check those dates. If you are new to us and you want to share your personal information, you can turn off this little chunk of that bulletin and, and share your information with us. If you're not new to us, you can tear that off, and it's great reminders. We're going to ask you to bow your heads and pray with us. Father, thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your offering. It gives us life. Bless the giving of this people this morning. In your name we pray. Is this the mic you want us to use? Well, it's my pleasure. First off, welcome to the house of the Lord. Isn't it an awesome place to be this morning? Uh, there, I know Disneyland's the happiest place on earth, unless you, don't, unless you don't know Jesus, I guess, maybe. But if you know the Lord, there's nothing greater than his presence. We're excited today because Danny and Jamie have honored us by being here, and they have a word of the Lord for us. Danny has felt in the Lord to share a message with us. Are you ready to hear with spiritual ears what the Lord wants to say to you this morning? Do you know the Holy Spirit can speak to each one of us from one person? I don't know how God does that. It's like he's God or something. Isn't he big enough to speak a living word to you as an individual today from one person? That's the Holy Spirit power in our life. So could we give a big welcome to Danny Schultz from Spokane, Washington, Sun City Church this morning. Amen. 
Well, thank you guys. That's so kind of you, and it's such a blessing to get to be here with you today, all the way from Spokane. Although I uh, lived and ministered in the Treasure Valley for about eight years before we moved up to Spokane and uh, went to college at NNU for a couple years, and um, just love. I've lived in basically every part of the valley, you know, Boise and Meridian and Nampa, and I never made it out to Caldwell um, or any of those surrounding areas, but all these three cities, and just love Love the Treasure Valley. Prayed a lot of prayers for this city and for uh, many of the churches and all the people that we're together trying to reach with the gospel of Jesus. And it's just so good to be here with you. It's my first time getting to worship with you, Legacy Church, but I've heard of your church for a long time. Uh, Pastor Ralph and Susie, uh, we've been friends for just about 10 years when we uh, came on staff at our church out in Nampa. Um, we got to know these guys, and they just served alongside our church and helped us get off the ground, and we were planting and getting started out there. We were youth pastors and worship pastors alongside uh, Pastor Steve Maestrel out there in Nampa during that time, and many of you know him. And I uh, just got to know your pastors, and aren't they just the, the sweetest couple ever, man? They just... So encouraging and so life-giving. Every time you talk to them, you just feel like you're just the best person on the planet, you know. I was feeling down and discouraged. And then I talked to Pastor Ralph, and I think I'm amazing, you know. He's just got such a gift of encouragement and love. And um, every time he, he speaks to us, he's just, you know, bless your heart. You guys are so great. And I'm like, yay. Um, so we're honored to get to be with you and just to celebrate what God has done here in this place and what God continues to do. Man, what, a, what an incredible work that the Lord has done in this place throughout the generations, blessing and being a lighthouse for God. And so we're just so glad to be here with you today. And as Pastor Ralph mentioned, we moved to Spokane uh, just about three years ago to start a new church up there. And really the Lord's done exceedingly abundantly above all we could have ever asked or imagined, just blown our minds with how uh, he's used our team as we move there to serve people and love people and help them, help them come to know Jesus. And it's just been amazing to watch God's church grow and, and reach people. And, and uh, so just, just excited to get to share with you and be, be here with you. Um, have you ever had an experience in your life where you just, you just went into a whole new world. It was like a huge upgrade from the way that you were living to the new way of life. And I was just thinking through a couple of these experiences I had. Do you remember the first time that you moved from dial-up internet to broadband internet? You know, the like, like that kind of sound. And then all of a sudden you searched with that cable modem and it was like the websites just loaded so fast. It was like, this might be useful for something. This is in incredible. Or I remember the first time that I moved from a regular old school Nintendo to a Super Nintendo. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever play Super Nintendo? Like, all of a sudden, Mario isn't just going in one direction. He's got 3D activity, and he can explore the whole world. That was amazing. I remember the blessed day that I moved from an Android to an iPhone. Somebody said amen. The people of God gave a shout and a cheer. Come on. <laughs> whole new world, right? It was amazing just the, uh, the way that that blessed me. I remember I grew up not really liking Chinese food that much. I think it was just I was a little bit afraid of kind of ethnic culture as a little child, and I was nervous about the idea of Chinese food. And I remember the first time I tried Panda Express, and it was like, I like this stuff. And then I remember the first time that I tried actual Thai food. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Like, 
the difference between Panda Express and actual authentic Thai food, whole new world, whole new life. There's, there's all kinds of these experiences in life, and maybe you've, you've had a few of those. We can kind of talk about those for a long time. I love this verse, John chapter 10, 10, famous verse. Here's the English standard version of the Bible. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they might have life and have it abundantly, right? Abundant life. Here's the message translation. I came so they could have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And just like going from Panda Express to actual amazing authentic Thai food or moving from dial-up internet to broadband internet, there's life that we experience as an average, everyday, normal human life that everyone experiences. And then there's the life that we get to have through Jesus. Come on. There's the more and better and even more real abundant life that Jesus came to live and die and rise again on the third day. Come on. To give us, right? Jesus came to bring an upgrade of new life. I was reading my Bible uh, this year and just spending time in the Word. I read this scripture, something that I've read several times, but it's one of those light bulb moments for me. I'll share it with you. Matthew chapter 4 verse 16 says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Talking about those who came into encounter with Jesus. The people that sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death had cast its shadow, a light has shined. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me that when people in the, are in the dark, they sit. The people who sat in the darkness, have seen a great light. And when you're in the dark, what you have a tendency to do is sit. Have you ever, have you ever spent the night somewhere that's outside of your normal room, your normal house, right? And then you get up in the middle of the night and you don't know where you are or exactly how to navigate. This happened to me last night, actually. We're staying the night at a, a great hotel that Pastor Ralph and Susie, they put us up in here while we're here ministering to you. And, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you have to go to the bathroom or whatever. And then you realize you don't know where you are and uh, you're not quite sure where the bathroom is or how to get there. And so it's like the great adventure, <laughs> I'm not going to turn on the light and wake up my wife, you know, and, but you're just like, because you can't see. But if you were to flip the light on, there would be all kinds of movement that would take place, right? I can move confidently in a foreign environment if I've got the light on and I can see it. But if darkness comes over my life, then the tendency is for me to just kind of get all reserved and sit down and I better not take a risk and I better not bump into anything and I don't want to injure myself. So the people that are sitting in darkness, they tend to sit until the light bulb comes on and they can see and they can confidently move forward with faith and courage, right? The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. When the light comes on, it's like, yeah, I got this. I can I could get moving. And I'd, I'd venture to say even here this morning that there's, a lot of us, and for whatever reason, there's a darkness that we're sitting under. There's a lack of confidence, a lack of movement. There's a place in our life where we're stuck and we're not moving with full abandon toward what God has called us to do and 
Honestly, it's, I felt like it's one of the reasons that the Lord brought us here this weekend is just to believe God to do a work right here in this service. Let God, let there be just a light bulb moment in the name of Jesus. Let a light come on in people's life and they would see, okay, here's purpose and here's calling and here's what I'm supposed to do and I've been struggling with this decision in my family life, but God, I can see this is what you want me to do. I've been struggling with this decision with my job or with my business or with my ministry, but no... There can be a light bulb moment and all of a sudden the place that you've just been stuck and sitting, all of a sudden you can see and movement can come into your life. So you just mind if we, as we open up the word today, can I just pray for us? And we're gonna believe for that light bulb moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for Legacy Church. And Lord, I thank you for this Sunday. Lord, you knew exactly Lord, who would be here today for exactly what you wanted to do. And God, I'm praying for that light bulb moment. Lord, that opening of their eyes, that revelation, God, enlightening of the eyes of our heart. Lord, let us see like we've never seen before, Father, in all areas of our life. Lord, however you want to use these words, however you want to speak to us today, God, open our eyes so we can see wonderful things from you. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Um, I love to explore the why behind the what. I got to meet with some of the leaders here at the church this this weekend, yesterday, and we just kind of looked at church and we looked at the different things that churches try to do and we kind of explored, okay, so why do we do the things that we do? And we asked the big questions, you know, why do we have Sunday services and why do we do small groups and what's Conversation 45 about and how does this all work? And I think it's important whenever we're doing anything in life, we get the why. And I, I actually really like to contemplate the big ideas and this is kind of what I want to do with you a little bit here this morning, like why are we even here? Why are we alive on the planet? What's life all about? I think if you don't answer that question, then um, life can get very confusing. You can be moving in a lot of wrong directions. And so I want to start with maybe the biggest question that we all face is why, why am I here? Why do I even exist on planet Earth? And people go to all kinds of sources to find answers to that question of why are we here, right? They pursue career and they think, well, there's a certain thing I'm supposed to do and if I go to college and I get the right degree and I get the right job and I'll figure out why I'm here and people pursue romantic relationships and they have relationship after relationship trying to find the perfect person to fulfill them and help them know this is why I'm here. I'm supposed to be with you. And people travel all over the world trying to find the right culture and see the right sights and figure out why they're on the planet and try all kinds of achievements and accolades and awards. And then they pursue religions and all of these different ways of thought. And the first big idea that I think you have to embrace when you're considering why are we here is that you just don't get to pick your own purpose for existing. I think most people in our modern day society, that's how we treat it, you know, like I've, I'm independent, I'm American, we have freedom of speech and freedom of thinking and freedom of religion, I'm going to choose what I want to believe, I'll tell you why I exist, but the truth is, it's not our prerogative to be the ones that choose our purpose and why we're alive on the earth. God actually creates every single person with purpose. And so you don't get to pick your purpose. You have the honor and the pleasure of discovering your purpose. 
Because he created you with it already. It was, it was upon you when you were created and when you came into the world and breathed your first breath. And here's the really good news. God loves to tell his people why he created them. He puts it all throughout the Bible. And so I'm going to give you a couple verses here. They're going to come up on the screen, I believe. Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says, For everything comes down from him, being God, and exists by his power and is intended for his, come on, somebody say glory. Everything is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 7 says, Bring all those who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. I have made them. That's why I created them. I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12, New Testament here. God's purpose was that we, the Jews who were first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. Why did we exist? We were, we were created. We existed to bring glory to God. So here's the big answer that God gives us. Why are you on the planet? Why are you alive? You were created to glorify God. You were created to glorify God. Now, I may have heard stuff like that in church growing up, and I spent years and years and years and had no idea what that meant. I got to hear my pastor, you were created to glorify God and bring God glory. And I was like, yeah! But if you'd have pinned me down and be like, what does it mean to glorify God? I would have been like, I think glory is like sparkly stuff. <laughs> like they talk about stuff falling down and glory and magical things that fall from the sky. And, you know, we used to sing these songs in church growing up. I grew up as a kid just figuring out church in the 90s. And we used to sing this song, let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord, come on, rise among us. Like we used to sing that. And if you'd have been like, so where, what is rising among us? I don't know. The glory. What's the glory? I have no idea. Sometimes it falls. Sometimes it rises. What is it? I don't know. I think it's sparkly. I don't know what I'm singing about. I don't know. I remember being a part of prayer services I attended and went to school at Capitol Christian Center right down here on, on Fairview. And I remember we just had this prayer pastor there while we were there. And he just loved to pray this scripture. And we'd pray it with him. He'd be like, Lord, let your glory fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And I'd be like, yes, God, do it. And then I remember like in my mind just imagining like sparkly dust from heaven, like floating down and covering all the countries. And if you know, like asked me as a college student, like, what are you even praying? I'm praying for the glory, you know? When the glory comes, everyone gets saved. You know, I just like, I didn't know. And maybe you don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know for years. And I sang the songs and I prayed the prayers. And throughout the Bible... I remember going on a Bible study. I went to Bible college and I started, I'm going to tackle this one. I'm going to study glory. And throughout the Bible, the word glory is, is complicated. It's interesting. It's, it's referred to as the weight of something in a good sense. It's splendor and abundance. And it's that which emanates out of something. So whatever something has and it's a 
intrinsic nature, whatever comes out of that thing, that's its glory. So the glory of God is what shines out from God because God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. So it's the glory that comes out of God. It's the glory that shines out of God. Glory is the manifestation of God's reality. Glory is the thing that we behold and it declares and shouts to us, no, there really is a God. Even though God's invisible and we can't see God, when we see God's glory, that's the thing that we look at and we go, oh, no, God exists, right? As heat is to fire, so glory is to God. As wet is to water, so glory is to God. And the Bible indicates that we can't see God, but what we see all around us all the time, we see the glory of God. It's the best way that I can kind of describe it to you. That's glory. So it's not sparkle dust. It's, it's what we see that preaches to us. There is a God, and this is what he's like. Like, you ever stand out on the ocean and let your feet dig into the sand, and you just look out into the vastness of the ocean as the waves crash on the shore again and again. You just imagine how vast and how broad, and you start, your mind starts just, how many gallons of water are in this thing? And what, like, what's out there that we don't know? And all of a sudden, you're just overcome with this sense of, there's, there's God. Like, th- no one created this other than God created this. No one, this. There's so much more to life than just me or just humanity or just what we can figure out. The, the vastness, it just preaches to you. There's a God. Have you ever had a moment like that at the ocean? Or maybe you looked up at a beautiful mountain peak. You're in the Rockies or even the foothills. I was out at um, our, our family's place yesterday and looking out the back porch and just seeing the Boise foothills and covered with the snow and just how beautiful it was and just thinking like, wow, someone created all of that just for us who get to live in the Treasure Valley. I'm like, what a blessing. And I'm just thinking, man, God, you created this. This is amazing. Or maybe you've been a parent of a newborn and there's that moment where you receive that new little baby, and you hear their cry for the first time. I remember the feeling as a a brand new dad when our little one would come into the world. We have three children now, and I just remember the moment of holding both of my sons and my daughter for the first time and hearing them cry and cuddle. And I remember just thinking, like, I, I could have never done this just by myself with me and Jamie. Like there is something supernatural, something higher than us that allowed me to step into this place to bring a being that's going to exist for all eternity onto the planet. Like as I held my, my children, there's this overwhelming sense there is a God. That's glory. Glory is what preaches to the human soul, there is a God, he's real, he exists. All of these things, they're shouting, there is a God. 
They're putting the glory of God on display. I love the way that Psalms 19 says it. Psalms 19 says this, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to preach, to speak. Night after night, they make him known, right? It's like all of creation. You look out into the starry sky and the vastness of it, and it preaches back to you. Come on, you are not alone on this earth. There is a God. The heavens are glorifying God, the Bible says. What I love is there's something that glorifies God even better than creation. It's amazing as the ocean and the mountains and the starry sky and the newborn baby. There's something that's even better at glorifying God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Here's the big reason that God created people. We read this in Romans and Isaiah and Ephesians. God created people to put his glory on display. I want the whole world to know that there is a God, and so I'm going to create people in my image, according to my likeness, and I'm going to make them carriers and displayers of my glory. God wanted a creation that was different than the earth and the plants and the seas and the animals. God wanted a creation that was like him and could be a reflection of who he is on the earth. God wanted a people on the planet that would shine out with God's glorious light and declare to all of the universe, yes, indeed, there is a God, right? That's why God put people on the planet. Great, God, that's awesome. That's why I exist. So like, how do I do it? What does it actually look like in my life to glorify God? And so thousands of years into human history, Jesus comes on the scene and he starts using this term to describe God. And it was a huge game changer for really all of human history and all of the understanding of God up until that point and up until Jesus, you know, they just referred to God as the God of Israel and the Lord Almighty and the captain of heaven's armies and the Holy One and the Great I Am. There were all of these titles and ways of understanding God that were just big and magnificent and out there and powerful and mighty and all of those things are true of God. But Jesus comes on the scene and he starts talking about God with this revolutionary language that no one had really used up until that time except for a very few occasions in the Old Testament. And Jesus starts using it again again and again and again and again. Luke chapter 11, verse 2, he says, when you pray, when you approach God and you talk to God, this is what you should say. You should say, Father, hallowed be your name. When you talk to God, you can let go of some of those great I am, holy one of Israel, mighty strong God titles, and just go to him and you call him Father. Father. And this wasn't really a term that was used of God before Jesus, although it's found in the Old Testament, so Jesus wasn't introducing a totally new idea, but nobody approached God as Father. No one engaged with God in this way. But if you study the way that Jesus referred to God, you'll see this was by far the most common term that Jesus used. 
Study all the way that Jesus talked about God. It was Father, 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 Father. It's common to us now. We understand that now. But at that point in human history, this was revolutionary, game changer. Everything's different. And it's one of the ways that God decided to put his glory on display. There is a God, and our God is a Father. Jesus wasn't content to just... Let it be known that God is great and amazing and holy and magnificent and uh, like to be reverenced and to be feared. Jesus said, hey, it's important that you know this. Our God is a father. Why is that so important? Father is a relational term. Father is a family term. So it's not enough for us just to put the glory of God on display. God is powerful and mighty and amazing. But this is who our God is. Our God is a relational God. And the declaration of the glory of God, the, the shout that people are to make to all of creation and to everyone who's watching and listening and noticing your life, the, the, the word of the Lord that comes out from you, that brings glory and puts our God on display is our God is a father. Our God is a relational God. And you may have noticed this with your friends who don't know Jesus or your friends and family, neighbors, coworkers that don't go to church. There's this general idea in American society in the 21st century, that God is like out there somewhere, kind of watching over us from afar, but he's not really involved in human life, and he's looking down far away and not really interacting with people. You know, maybe he just kind of spun the world and is watching all the chaos as it all unfolds. And Jesus says, hey, no, that's not how it is. Come on, God is a father. Just the way that your father is one of the most personal, close relationships that you were supposed to have. And I realize not everybody in this room got to experience that with their earthly father. But the reason that Jesus introduced that idea is because your father's meant to be that personal, close, see him every single day, talk to him every single day. He's in your life every single day. That's what God wanted for you from an earthly father. And that's what God is for you as your heavenly father. God's not out there watching from afar, kind of checking the boxes on whether you're doing good or not. God is a personal, loving, relational, intimate, close, up-in-your-life God, right? Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. You rewind back all the way to the beginning, and you notice how God was interacting with mankind in the very beginning. This is how we see God. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So you get back to the original garden with Adam and Eve, and you don't see God up in some throne in heaven looking down on them, like, how's my couple doing? How's Adam and Eve down there? Like, where do you see God? He's walking in the garden with them. They can hear the sound of him visiting them because God never intended to be some cosmic force out there somewhere, interpersonal, not away from your life. God always, from the very beginning of the book, meant to be relational and engaged and in your world. He's a relational God. And this wasn't an isolated occurrence. This is a way of life 
moving through life in relationship with God. God never, I loved what uh, our pastor said here earlier, the guy was leading in worship here. He said, God never intended you to just be a part of a religion. God wanted you to be in relationship with him. He didn't call you into some system of beliefs called Christianity. He called you to know him personally as a relational God. If you're going to do this whole Christianity thing, I want to make sure that at the very center of your Christianity is this deep, fulfilling, real, personal relationship with God. It's the only thing that makes it all worth it. I, I grew up in church um, but I grew up in church with a lot of routines and rituals and expectations and kind of just this culture of this is what you do if you're in church. This is when you stand. This is when you kneel. This is when you sit. The pastor would say these lines. We all memorize the lines we say in response to the pastor. And we knew the prayers, exactly how you're supposed to pray them. And there was just so much routine and ritual to it that I, I grew up for years and years and years in church and never ever understood this idea of a personal relationship at all. I remember just like attending and attending. I learned a lot of Bible stories, man. I could tell you all about Noah. I could tell you about Moses. I could tell you all about Jonah and the whale. I could tell you about Jesus. I could tell you about the apostle Paul. I could quote all kinds of stories about all these guys that lived thousands of years ago, but I never ever had the present revelation. No, God is real. He's alive. He's active. And he wants a relationship with me like today. For real. I remember the day I walked into this youth meeting in Bend, Oregon. I had grown up to be about 17 years, junior in high school. And uh, my friend needed a, a drummer for his worship band for his youth group. And he's like, hey, you got to come check it out. And he had kind of visited mine, so I wanted to go visit him. And I remember for the first time I walked into this small little group, 40, 50 young people. And for the first time in my life, I remember walking into a place where people were lifting their hands and they were singing to God as if he was actually out there. I remember just thinking like, oh my gosh. You're singing like he exists. I remember looking down the row at all of my peers from my high schools. They're worshiping. I remember seeing this young man who I went to school with. He's just crying as he's worshiping Jesus and singing. And I'm thinking, like, are you kidding me? Like, you're singing to him like he actually hears you. This is so different than anything I've ever experienced. And this freaks me out. And I'm so nervous about it. But I'm curious because this is not the kind of church that, I'm involved with, and I've never, ever considered the thought that God's actually there. He's actually real, and he actually wants to engage with me. And for me, it was the light bulb moment. And all of a sudden I said, hey, if God's out there and can hear my songs, maybe I should think about what words I'm actually singing. Like when I sing about when death was arrested and my life began, is that something that's an, a reality in my life or am I just kind of following the words on the screen as the rest of the people sing them, you know? If God's actually out there and he's listening to me sing and he might be talking back, you know, like I say I believe this Bible, but I've never read this Bible a day in my life. I'm just gonna go read it. I say I believe it front to back. I've never read it. I'm gonna go read it. And I started reading the Bible and just everything began to change for me as I started to understand, okay, this is what relationship with God looks like. And I remember just in the very beginning, the Lord starting to speak to me and father me and 
love me and engage with me. And this relationship started. And honestly, despite the fact that I had been a churchgoer for 17 years, I became a Christian at the age of 17. I walked into this place of, oh, God is real. And wants a daily relationship with me where we're talking and we're doing life together and we're moving through this is in relationship. This is, this is what it's all about. And can I just tell you, if you've found yourself in a place where you're just kind of going through motions and church is something that makes you feel better and you're checking a box off the list and it's like this is the routine we go through because we're good people and like don't miss the glory of God gets displayed when you're in a real relationship with Jesus. Your reason for existing on the planet, it all goes down to a real relationship with Jesus. How many of you guys have ever eaten a Twinkie before? What is the best part of a Twinkie? The cream filling, duh. Thank you, all of you who responded that way. Twinkies are disgusting, nasty cake except for the cream filling in the middle. And if you were to remove the cream filling from the Twinkie and eat it, you would just be taking a bite of dry, nasty cake. No one would ever want it, right? Gross. The cream filling of Christianity is relationship with Jesus. And Christianity without relationship with Jesus is dry, nasty cake that doesn't taste good in your mouth. You go through life like, and that you've met them. Some of you are related to them. People have an experience with Christianity, and it's like, no, I tried that. Like, ooh, that's not me. I'm not a church person. I'm not one of those Jesus people. Whenever people tell me that, I'm like, no, you don't get it. Everyone are church people. Everyone are Jesus people. Everyone have been designed by God to relate with God, our Heavenly Father, and put God's glory on display. We're all created to that. You just tried the thing that was totally different. You had the nasty cake, my friend. Gross, I understand. I tried the nasty cake for 17 years, and then somebody introduced me to the cream filling. His name is Jesus. He wants a real relationship with you. It's the best. You don't want to do Christianity without the cream filling. You want to do religion and routine and motions and tradition and legalism and try to be a good person. You know, you need the cream filling of life. It's this relationship with God through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he designed for you. Sounds good, Pastor Danny. Sounds good. How do I get close with Jesus and how does it all relate to the glory of God. Check it out. You will always become like those that you spend time with. This is true, right? We think about this with our children. We're all worried about their friendships that they're forming because we know our kids are going to end up looking like and acting like and sounding like all of the friends that they have. You ever noticed that in your life? I can remember when I was a middle schooler, my mom getting so frustrated with me because the way that me and my middle school friends would talk, you know, not like vulgarity and things like that, but we just, you know, made our voices sound super weird and we all talked the same and it was just like super weird. And she was like, why, when you get around your middle school friends, do you all talk like that? You have like your own, and now guess what? I'm a parent of a middle schooler and it's like the Lord is revisiting that, right? What you sow, you will also reap. And all of a sudden, my, my middle schooler gets around his buddies, and they have this language and this voice they use. And I'm always like, David, stop talking weird. That's totally bizarre, you know. 
I've never publicly said that. I used to do it as a middle schooler, so now he's going to use this against me. But it's because you're around your friends. I remember as a youth pastor, some of you are here and used to be a part of our youth ministry, but there were these two girls, uh, Rose and Alyssa. And I got to, some of you know these guys, they're so awesome. Uh, Rose and Alyssa, they were, in, they were in like 17 years old in high school. And whenever they would get around each other, they wouldn't be like this separately, but whenever they would get together, they used to do these weird things where they would talk with their hands in little like pinchy praying mantis things. They'd be like, oh my gosh, you totally understand me. This is awesome. And I'd be like, what are you doing? You're not a praying mantis. You're a human. Like, why are you like that? It's the influence of people around you. It kind of brings out the way that you are. And I just notice it in my life. When I think back in my life, I notice it in my kids, right? Now they're all playing with fidget spinners and flipping bottles and using words like, that's so lit. And I'm like, what? You know, and there's just all of this influence about those who you spend time with. You just start looking like them, right? You ever notice that? So in order for the glory of God to shine through your life, you've got to be spending time with God. Be feasting on that cream filling called relationship with Jesus. And as you spend time with him, you start to look like him. And the more that you're around him, the more that you start thinking like him. And the more that you start speaking like him. And the more that you start acting like him. And all of a sudden, your whole life, you start to portray what God is like to the whole world. That's why it's so important that you develop an actual friendship with God. Because if it's not God that you're spending the most time with, thinking like him and speaking like him and acting like him, then you're going to end up thinking like and talking like and speaking like and acting like something else that you're spending the most time with. Something has the most influence in your life and you are being shaped and molded into something, right? depending on how you spend your time and your thought life and what you're taking into your life. I get a lot of flack in my family because I'm one of the only families in the big clan with all of the Johnsons and the Wardens and the Kimmels. They're all here today. I get a lot of flack because I never have allowed my family to get a dog. And everyone that has a dog was like, boo, you're (laughs) un-American. I never allowed any of my family to get a dog. There's a lot of reasons, you know, we, we talk about the cost of dog food and vet bills and the, what it would take to take care of them. But the real reason that I will never let my kids have a dog, although Jamie is working on me so hard, we have all these conversations. She's like, Hudson needs a dog. David needs a dog. I'm telling you, there is a reason that I don't want my kids to have a dog. It's because I know the secret. Once you get a dog, you start spending all your time with the dog and you start looking like your dog. Like, have you ever seen these people? They get a dog and they actually transform and they look like their dog. Like, check it out. I brought some pictures to prove it to you. (laughs) This is what happens. If you get a dog in your life, go to the next one with me. Here, I'll show you. You start looking like your dog. Just keep rolling through some of these with me back there in the media. He looks like his dog. He brought a dog into his life and he started spending time with his dog. And you get transformed into the image of your dog. It's amazing, you know? So if you you want a dog, you better be careful what kind of dog you pick because you just start looking like your dog. You want more here? Yeah, right? 
I think I got one more. Here's my favorite one of all. If you spend enough time with them, you change your name to dog. It's just what happens. <laughs> I'm actually concerned for my Uncle Randy because recently they got the biggest dog I've ever seen. So Uncle Randy, I'm concerned for you, man. Big dog. I don't know. It just happens. Spend time with them. Things change. <laughs> Seriously. If you develop a lifestyle and a habit of spending time with the Lord, right? Spending time in his word, spending time in his presence with worship, spending time with the Lord through prayer. And you just, you start to look like him. You start to sound like him. You start to think like him. And Paul, the apostle Paul, the great church planner, he puts it this way. Galatians chapter two, verse 20, famous verse. I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, it's Christ that lives in me. It's no longer that Danny is going to work at the bank. It's actually Jesus that's going to work at the bank because Jesus is living on the inside of me. It's no longer Danny who's going to his neighbors to bring a plate of cookies and invite him over for a game night. No, Jesus is actually venturing out from his home to visit the neighbors and engage with them relationally. It's no longer Danny who's navigating that difficult family conflict because Danny doesn't live anymore. Danny's been crucified and it's Christ who lives inside of me and my whole life has been oriented and conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus and now Jesus is living in me and Jesus is living through me. Like what a crazy thought. The only experience that many of your coworkers are ever having with Jesus week to week is the Jesus that's living in you, shining out through you and talking to them. That's all the Jesus they get. They're not here with you on a Sunday morning and they're, you know, and they're watching football and they're doing whatever they do and their experience with Jesus is the Jesus in you that they're encountering. That's the Jesus that they see. When you go to work, it's like Jesus showed up at the office. Is it? When you go to the sports game and you're cheering for your boys, it's like Jesus is shouting from the stands at the referees. Hello, somebody. When you came home from work and your kids are excited to see you and your wife is excited to see you, it's like Jesus came home from work and Jesus is greeting them in that moment, an experience that they have right there. When you're out in the city doing what God's called you to do as the Treasure Valley is encountering you, it's like Jesus is out in Meridian and Boise and Nampa and Eagle and Star and Middleton and Caldwell and this beautiful place you guys call home. Jesus is out engaging the city. Imagine that. And now we're back to the idea of the glory of God. This is why God created you. When the invisible God is made visible through his church, the world sees the glory of God. This is the meaning of life. This is why you exist. It's why you are sucking air on planet earth. God puts you everywhere he puts you and he invites you to live out your faith and live it all out. 
under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, conform to the image of Christ because everyone that encounters you and sees you, they're experiencing God's glory and they're looking at you and they're going, man, there's something more. Just the same way you look out at the ocean, you go, there must be a God. Just the same way you look up at the mountains or into the starry night sky, you hold that little baby and you think like, wow, there must be a God. The glory of God is demonstrated through his church when we go out and we live such a life that our coworkers and neighbors and friends and relatives, they look at our life and they go like, wow, there's more to the story. I know what they're walking through. I know what kind of diagnosis they just received. I know how their marriage is on the rocks. I know the difficulty they're having with their prodigal child. I know the pain that they're walking in. And yet, look at the way they're responding. Look at the grace that they're navigating this difficulty with. There is more in this life than I know about. There must be a God. You're designed by God to display and manifest his glory. And so when you are loving, you bear witness to a loving God. And when you are merciful and compassionate, you give them the idea that that mercy came from somewhere. And when you're forgiving, even when they don't deserve it, you point to a great and forgiving God that can forgive all of your sin, past, present, and future, no matter what you've done. And when you stand up for justice and you let the whole world know there is a judge that will not stand for injustice. And when you treat people who mistreat you with kindness, you resemble our great and glorious Savior, Jesus Christ, who as he was being drugged to his death on a cross, he didn't curse people, but instead he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. When you have the character of Christ, you declare to the whole world, come on, there is a God, and this is what he's like. In the scripture that I referenced at the beginning, and join me on the keys, Lori. The scripture that I used to pray at Capital Christian Center. God, we pray that the glory of the Lord cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. God. We used to pray it and pray it and pray it and pray it. I used to think of the sparkly dust coming down on the nations. Can I just tell you, it's not about sparkly dust. That scripture is fulfilled the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. When the people of God, when the church step out and they live their lives with such a degree of Christ likeness and they get transformed and conformed to the image of God. They spend time with God. They get the cream filling of Christianity and they look like Jesus and they sound like Jesus and then they act like Jesus and then they move out into all the spheres of influence with work and with sports and with media and with government and with education and all the places that God has called us to go and then we display with our character, hey, there is a God. This is what God is like. sweeps the globe the church grows and increases and new churches are planted and those churches grow and increase and new churches are planted and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord resident in his church covers the earth as the waters cover the sea and listen legacy church this is exactly what God wants to do in you and through you right here 
in Meridian, Idaho. He wants his glory to shine brighter and brighter in the Treasure Valley than it ever has before. And guess what? It's all up to us. We just get to take the first step and eat the Twinkie with the cream filling and start looking more and more like Jesus. And God's gonna use you for his glory in a powerful way. Will you do this for me? Will you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Just everybody in this place, bow your heads and close your eyes. My favorite scriptures, Colossians 1.27, for God wanted them to know the riches and glory of Christ are for the Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you, and this gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. So the only way you get to share in his glory is if Christ lives in you. God knew your only shot at displaying his glory was if he moved in. He actually took up residence. He became the roommate. His, his only chance of conforming you to look like him is if he dwelt on the inside of you. You need Jesus living in you. And maybe you're here today and maybe you're just like me and you've been going through some rituals and some routines and some motions, but if you're just honest, just between you and God, no one looking around, you'd say, I don't have that cream filling part of Christianity. I don't feel like there's a real relationship. I don't feel like I'm talking to God and he's talking back and I'm not, he's not priority number one in my life, but I want that, Pastor Danny. I, I want Jesus in my life. Maybe you're here and you used to have that. It used to be so important to you, but for whatever reason, man, life got busy or kids came up or got sick or you just made some choices. I don't know what it was for you, but you wandered away. And for whatever reason, God brought you back to this place today to hear this message. And maybe it's for you. Maybe today's your day where you say, yep, I wandered away, but I want to be so close to God. And all you have to do is make a decision and say, yep, I want to be close to Jesus again. I'm giving my life to you again. Maybe you're here and you've never made that choice. Maybe Jesus has never been invited in and today's the day for you. But if that's you, I'm just gonna ask you to do something bold. I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand when I count to three and I promise you it won't call you out or embarrass you or do anything weird. We're just gonna pray with you. We're all gonna pray together and we're just gonna include you in this prayer that we're about to pray all together. So if that's you, you just need God in your life at a whole different level. You need to put him first and get back into right relationship with him. If that's you, just lift your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, just lift it up. Amen. Amen. God sees you. God bless you. It's awesome. God's so proud of you. Amen. God bless you, sir. God loves you. That's awesome, young man. God loves you. So proud of you. You guys can put your hands down. Hey, let's just pray this prayer all together. Everybody in this place, just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus, who came to earth, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross for my sin. And right now, I confess all of my sin before you. I ask you to wash me clean and make me new in you. God, I give you my life. I make you my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I could live a life that pleases you. In Jesus' name. 
And everybody said amen. Hey, can we do this? Can we just celebrate with those that made that decision today? Come on. We are so proud of you. Best decision you could ever make in your life. Wow, 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 wow. May the glory of the Lord cover the earth as the water covers the sea. Who would join with me to say, God, cover all of Boise with your glory? From the liberal north to the conservative west. CUNA, God, fill CUNA with your glory. Melba, Marsing, Star, Eagle, Nampa, Caldwell. How many know there's not enough of us out there yet? How many know there's room for more? I want Legacy Church to partner today, and I haven't asked them if I could do this, but Danny and Jamie were church plant our church planners. They plant churches everywhere they go. And the glory of the Lord covers the earth one more city, one more town. But in our midst today is a couple, Rhett and Linda Barden. And God has called them to plant a church in Nampa. How many believe the glory of the Lord should just cover Nampa as the waters cover the sea? How many know that every time God raises a church, it's not a threat to us, it's a glory to us, amen? I would like us to think about if you would partner in prayer with Rhett and Linda during this time that we would ask God to fill them with the glory of the Lord and that they would just be a touchstone. Everywhere they touch the fire just lights up and we could say one day, we prayed that church into existence and we'll take credit for it. (laughs) And we'll glory in the Lord with them. And if you haven't met them, I want you to meet them, pray for them, and continue to pray for them. And we're going to stay in relationship if that's okay. And Danny suggests something that helps is if you get a worship band needs a place to practice. Legacy Church has a place to practice. Amen? Legacy Church is their friend. We will join with them. So this is how the glory of the Lord covers the earth, I guess. One of our favorite scriptures around here. And God's shown us how. Would you stand with me this morning? And Lori, just lead us in a chorus as we go. And as soon as Lori's done, she's just going to continue to play. And when she quits singing, that means you can leave. Jesus, just bless this people as they go. Father, let our light continue to shine brighter and brighter as the day approaches. Father, let us take our light out into the world. Let us be courageous, O oh God. Let us not be fearful. Let us be bold for you. For we, O oh God, bring your glory into the earth. And everybody said, amen. Oh, let's sing one time here before we go. His name.